This program is sponsored by TC Sports on 1700 KBGG. Live from the Wolf Construction Roofing Studio, it's Jimmy B and TC on 1700 KBGG. Sponsored by Wolf Construction Roofing. Welcome back once again, Jimmy B and TC. Third and final hour here on a Thursday, taking you up until 3 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Some news comes out yesterday, Jimmy B, concerning, uh, no big deal, a summer injury, Cordell Pemsel. Yes. Fine young big man for the Hawkeyes. Put together a great season a year ago. Set the single season record for field goal percentage. Maybe wore down a little bit as the year went on. Didn't have uh, quite those same kind of games, but certainly going to be an important cog going forward. Here to talk about that, we'll get into some football and more on the Hawkeyes. He is John Bonacamp from the Burlington Hawkeye, and he joins us on the Draft House 50 Hotline. John, good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you guys, how are you guys doing? Can't complain. No, not at all, man. Nobody would no, care if good. Jim did anyway. They yeah. tell him to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's start with some hoops here, John, as we get ready. Uh, sure. Counting down the days to at least the PTL so we have something to talk about. Uh, Cordell Pemsel, the injury, I guess my main takeaway was uh, it's too bad it's an injury. Good thing it's not a knee injury again. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, it, it's one of those things that it was probably bothering him during the season. You know, I went back and looked at, at his stats late in the year, and, and he struggled a little bit to get points and rebounds. And he did have he did have three really good games at the end of the Big Ten season, but in the NIT, he just scored just eight points two games. So you have to wonder if it was bothering him a little bit. But, you know, this is something that, that you can come back from fairly quickly, and it shouldn't be a problem. And so, I mean, it's the fact that, that he's going to miss, you know, primetime league and some, some work, workouts, that's okay. I mean, it's because he'll be back in time to play on the European trip, or so they say, and, um, you know, that'll be good experience for him as he continues to grow as a player. But you're not going to need too much out of him. You can just kind of ease him back into things. So I, I, I think, it, you know, everything came at a good time, and, and, and he'll be ready when the season comes next year. Um, let's kind of discuss that a little bit. Now that we have Garza and Nunji going to show up and be big horses in the middle, although Nunji can step out and shoot it, is mm-hmm. is do you have, with what you saw from the guys that are returning, John, do you mm-hmm. have Iowa in the top five in Big Ten play, or do you have them higher or lower than that? I think that's 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 a good place for them. I think I, you know, you think about the Big Ten. It's like a lot of teams have very good players back. So you know, it's not just Iowa. So I, I think when you look at this year, and and then you look at at next season, at the upcoming season, you're going to see a lot of the same guys. They're just going to be a year older and with more experience. That said, I think Iowa is so deep at this point, especially in the front court that I, I think you can put them in that top five. And if, if everything kind of clicks into place, who knows what can happen. But, um, you know, I, I think certainly this is, this is it's still a very young team, but I think it's, 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 a, it's a very experienced team just from what those guys were able to do this year. Mm-hmm. You know, if the Hawkeyes are going to make a big step forward and be what they have been, you know, finishing up there in the upper half and they've got to the NCAA tournament three of the last four years, but if they're going to make that next step forward and, compete for a regular season title, compete for a top four seed in the NCAA tournament and a chance to play close to home those first couple of rounds. Who in your mind is the most important player that needs to step up and, and take his game to the next level to get Iowa to that kind of level? 
I think it's anybody in the guard court. I mean, just because, I mean, what you're losing with Peter Jock, you're losing that outside shooting, you're losing that, you know, you're losing that threat that you had. And so, I mean, if you've got a lot of big guys, cool. But you also have to have somebody that can kind of soften up and extend that defense. And so you're looking at guys like Brady Ellingson are going to have to take another step. Jordan Bohannon's going to have to take that mm-hmm. next step. He had a really good season, but now, okay, how can he build on that? What can he do next? So, you know, pretty much anybody in that guard court and pretty much anybody that can shoot a three, those are the guys that I think are really going to have to, to be an impact offensively just to stretch defenses, and that kind of opens things up inside when that happens. So I, I think that it's, it's the guys that, that, that are good outside shooters are going to have to become better at that. John Bonenkamp is our guest on the Draft House 50 Hotline, Mill Civic Parkway, West Des Moines. John, let's go to a little football conversation. And mm-hmm. with what we've seen, players gone, we know that. And with now the wide receiving core, and then you have Kurt Ferentz indicate, well, freshmen are going to get a chance to play. Mm-hmm. How does that sit with you? I mean, they don't have anybody else, so some of those guys are going to get time, right? Yeah, and, and honestly, as as you looked at this team, and, and, and you know, when you looked at this team in the spring, there was no Germany Smith there to begin with. Right. He, it was early April, so what you saw in the spring, you, you kind of knew this was coming. It was in the back of your mind. If he came, if he came back, cool. You know, that's great. If not, this is what's going to happen. And and so I think you know, really, it wasn't a surprise. And and really, you know, that that freshmen are going to make an impact. That was not a surprise either, because you kind of knew that with what you saw in the spring that there was just so much competition and and at that position that, that you you knew that that anybody could step in there at this point. And so it wasn't a surprise that he left. It wasn't a surprise that, that that's where they're going to be. But it makes the, the summer very critical. The guys are going to have to really step up in in those summer workouts, and, and there has to be come a sort of chemistry with the passing game that they're going to have to have because they don't have now the they don't have the experienced receivers anymore. And so it, you, it was going to be anybody's game beforehand, and, and him leaving just really didn't change that that much. Mention the PTL. The number mm-hmm. one pick in this year's PTL draft will be Tyler Cook. Tyler Cook mm. put up some good that's, numbers last year. Yeah, that's that's that would be my if I was starting. That's what I would. Do. And I mean, and I really do think they should let the media coach. I agree. Um, yeah, being, you you versus Kakert. Yeah. I mean, you talk about two stalwarts of the basketball community. Well, sure, it would be, and you know, and I just I would just zone the crap out. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> but, but anyway, it's like it, it, you know, oh yeah, it's like it, it would be you know, it, it, I would just yeah, we need the media needs to be coaching these games. But no, I think that's probably where you start. That's that's who I think will probably be the number one pick. Of the Iowa guys, I think that's who it'll be. I don't think we've talked to you since the news became official with Connor McCaffrey. No, I don't think so. It's been a little while. I I wasn't shocked by it because this is one of the talked-about points that were out there by it, but just because the backup point guard position is so tenuous, we saw Christian Williams certainly wasn't suited for that role a year ago. They didn't bring anybody else in. I was just surprised to see it go down like this. What was your takeaway for it, and and how important is development for Christian Williams to get some ball handling skills and give them some semblance of a backup point guard behind Bohannon? 
Well, I think that's what that is what this summer is going to have to be about is him, you know, becoming more comfortable in that position. And he did really at the end of the year. I thought he was playing very good basketball at the end of the year. There was, you know, he had his struggles there. But I, but I think you, you know, that that's a key part of the summer. But what happened with Connor McCaffrey did not surprise me at all. I mean, I, you know, the the whispers were always there that that he really liked baseball, that he really liked doing it. And what this does is it, you know, it it gives him a chance to pursue that to see if that's what he wants to do. Still practice basketball, still work with the team, still get to know those guys. You know, I, it's funny to say this because it's his dad's system, but you know, he has to learn the system. He has to learn, you know, what to do and how to run it, that sort of thing. And so, I, I think it was just the smart move for everybody that to do it this way, let him figure out what he wants to do, and and if he really, really likes baseball and he really, really has a good season, that's that may be the way he goes with basketball is kind of a you know. I don't want to say a secondary sport, but just, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. he, I think he wants to see if he can do both. Hey, he, could be, and, he could be like and, Bo Jackson. He could go to the Royals and then announce that football is just going to be a hobby. There you go. He could say basketball is so, going to be a hobby. You know, one of the things, somebody asked him a question that day on, on the teleconference, and they asked him about, you know, basically referred to something as, you know, which is a secondary sport, and he's like, I don't look at it that way. So there's a very real possibility if he can go in next year and have a really good baseball season, could he do both? Well, certainly. I mean, it's going to be challenging, obviously, because the season really does overlap. You know, when you look at, you know, in January, you know, late January, February, baseball teams on the road, you know, that's right in the middle of the Big Ten season. So, um, you know, like I said, this gives him a good chance to get a step forward in baseball to see if that's where he wants to do, see if that's where he wants to go. And then if it works, if he can see he can do both, he'll do both. If he, if he really likes baseball, thinks that's the way he's going to go, cool. You know, it doesn't cost Iowa any. It doesn't cost the basketball program anything. Right. So, exactly. you know, yeah. So, so it's, not, it's not hurting anybody for him to try it, and I think it's admirable. I, I, I appreciate the kids that do, you know, in the high, especially at the high school level, kids that play more than one sport, that do, uh, you know, do more than one thing. And, you know, it, there's, and I wrote about this a couple of days after this happened, but, you know, at Western Illinois, they have two football players that are on the baseball team. And the coach, the football coach there, Charlie Fisher, is, is an old baseball guy, and he played two sports when he was in college. So he was like, hey, if you guys can do both, do both. And so, you know, football and basketball, football and baseball is a little different than basketball and baseball. But if you can see a kid do it, I think it's pretty cool. John Bowenkamp is our guest. He's on the Draft House 50 hotline. We're talking Iowa right now. Uh, you mentioned baseball. Take me to mm-hmm. Heller's kids. And, and it's amazing. I, it's what, what they've done here in the last few games, the walk-offs and everything else. And this was not supposed to be the year. It's supposed to be next year. What happened here? I, I just think it's a really solid team. I, I've seen them once. They were very solid fundamentally. They have good pitching, uh, you know. They have they have, they have they have decent hitting. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't call it, you know. I mean, it, it, but I, I think they're just very fundamentally sound, and I think that's what he's brought to the program. Rick Heller's a really really good coach, and and he has been able to build a program. Now, you know, one of the things I want to see is the university kind of commit to this, you know, do some things at the baseball field, do the improvements that they're kind of planning on. Um, you know, and really give this program kind of a step up because 
I think it's on. It's right on the edge of becoming a very, very, very good Big Ten program. And, you know, one of those teams that can always contend for titles, always get to the NCAA tournament. He's getting the really good in-state kids. You know, there's, you know, there's interest now in this program. And so I want to really see the university now commit to this, you know, whether it's, you know, the stadium improvements, build a new press box with suites and do some of those things, give them a clubhouse and, a, you know, and a batting area. Give them all the things they need. And, and because I, I think this program really deserves it because I think it's, it's on the verge of being, you know, a consistent Big Ten contender. And that all goes back to Rick Heller. He's got these kids playing really good baseball, fundamentally sound baseball. They're fun to watch, and Jake Adams, he can hit it a country Ooh, mile. You're not kidding. Yeah. Uh, you, you need a little bit of luck in uh, baseball, the recruiting. It's much different than what we talk about in basketball and football. You're talking partial scholarships, finding guys, guys that leave uh, after their junior season, all kinds of things that happen here. But uh, the Adams story is an absolute great one. A kid that was on his way to play at North Dakota, well, they didn't have a program anymore, so he found a home in Iowa City, and now, what, one off the single-season record for the Hawkeyes? Yeah, and I mean he—he's—I mean, he's, he's a big kid, and you know, and and he and he is—he's really, you know, really has found himself. He's the foundation of the middle of that order, and he, he's tough to bat around. And it's like the night I saw him, Western Illinois did a really good job of, of pitching against him. And you know, it's like, but but then you looked at the streak he had before that, and what he's done since then, and it's like he's made adjustments. He's done some things, and he hasn't had a night like that again. So um, that's that's the sign of a good hitter. That's the sign of, of somebody who knows what, who knows what he's doing at the plate. I, I think he's really he, he's he's a really strong foundation there in the middle of the order, which is what you need. All so right, go ahead, to go football. Ahead. Yeah. Uh, usually by this time, John, we have a couple of start times. Nothing yet. Fox had no. their upfronts uh, last week, mm-hmm. along with ESPN. Still nothing there. Uh, are we just waiting, hoping? Are we going to get anything by the end of May, or is it still just a waiting game for some start times for football? I think it'll probably be here in the next couple of weeks. I think you'll probably hear. There's probably going to be one night game. I couldn't tell you which one. Um, you know, But, I mean, I, I think they'll get one night game. But I, I mean, they're destined for a lot of 11 o'clock games right now. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, like I said, there, I think they, there will be one night game probably at home. Just because, and because it is a great atmosphere, and it's it's a great look for TV. But you know, I, I think for most of, I think most of what you're going to see this year is a lot of 11 a.m. starts, unless they start playing really well. If they start out well, and and you know, can be in that you know, contending for the Big Ten thing. But you know, with this team, you just don't know what you're going to get with them right now. Right. So, like I said, I think you're going to we're going to find out. There's probably going to be one night game, but then after that, I, I just I don't know. Could be Penn State, Ohio State, both at home. Those mm-hmm. could be night games. The Ohio State one's the one I think kind of probably yeah, has the yeah. night game written on it more than anything else. Okay. Just because it's Ohio State and it's their first time at Kinnick in God knows how long, yeah. you know. And, uh, which, is, which is really interesting to think about, you know, the, the, how long it's been, you know. So, um, but, yeah, those two probably seem the ones destined for, for, for under the light. Talking with John Bonacamp from the Burlington Hawkeye. Football season right around the corner. Not quite. I'm just trying to trick myself. <laughs> it just that. seems that way. So uh, here's my last thing, John. You, you okay. popped this into my head. I gave you, you and Kakert, I imagine, out there coaching PTL teams. Who mm-hmm. would be the best coach, regardless of sport, of any of the Iowa media members? And you can't say yourself. 
Well, that's what I was going to say. Well, you're the, wise, you're that, the wise yeah. owl, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I am yeah, the wise owl. Right. I'm a tactician. You know, <laughs> Leave yourself wow, out I, of it. I think, more, I think Morehouse is your best football coach. Yeah, yeah, me. I can see that. Um, and in basketball, I mean, it, it's me. I mean, there's no doubt about it. So, um, you know, I mean, it, it, we're, we, we're going to play. We're going to play that pack line defense. Okay. In the game. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, we're, you win with defense. I've learned that. So, you know, it's like you win with defense. That's what we'd be. We'd be this pesky defensive team that keeps everything everybody under forty. Oh, under forty, you'd be running. Yeah, the under PTL. forty, you'd be running yeah. a two-three zone that's, that's in the what PTL. The fans want to see in the PTL. Oh, <laughs> I would just see it was it would be either that or that fast pace. We'd be doing a lot of pressing. So you're either going to play shuttling guys in and out, you know. So it's either going to be Bennett ball like Dick Bennett played, or it's going to be like Grinnell plays. Nothing in between. It would be, well, yeah, it's a it would be a hybrid. It would be a hybrid, a hybrid. of the Tom Davis pressure team and those Jim Molinari uh, pack line defense teams. So you never know what you're going to get when I play. Oh, that's great. The wise oh. owl. I like that, John Bodekiev. Thank you, John. It's always great, man. Thank you for your time as always. Have a good weekend. All right. Have a good one. See, See you guys later. You. All right, pal. John Bowenkamp right here. Draft House 50, Hotline Mill Civic Parkway, West Des Moines. Who you got? Who Who's the uh, best? Who do you think would make a good coach out of the the media members? Man, that's tough. Yeah. Because I don't know. Are you just talking about the guys that that have their own boards and stuff? Are well, you no, including everything. the radio yeah, and TV anything. guys? Yeah. You throw Lights to Cow in there. You throw Rick Brown in there, even though he's semi-retired. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, yeah, none of them strike. Welcome back, everybody. Final segment of the day as we roll all the way up till 3 o'clock. Uh, interesting, some news now. You're starting to get some guys in college basketball who have thought this over, and they've gone to some NBA workouts and camps, things like that, and have now making decisions, Trent, to return to college. Right. Okay. Yep. Uh, the big piece at Purdue is the 7-2 center, Isaac Haas. Uh, he's already indicated that he is going to come back and play another year with the Boilers. Yeah, that that's a big one right there. Obviously, the bigger one of those Schwanigan. is what's going to happen with Biggie Swanigan and what's he going to decide to uh, do. But at the very least, you know, Vince Edwards still has his name in the draft. Right, he does. As of today, you don't see any first round. There's a couple of second round grades on him. A lot of guys, they just make the decision it's time to go. But with Haas coming back, if Haas Edwards... And Swanigan all come back. Mm-hmm. You know, we know Michigan State with the return of Miles Bridges. Yes, you know the improvement that we saw out of Ward inside. Boy, that kid's a beast in there. Yeah, that's going to be a team that is going to be not just Big Ten title good, national championship good. They're going to have those expectations coming into the year. If Purdue gets everybody back, those three guys, we know Haas is back. Mm-hmm. If Edwards comes back, if Biggie comes back, coupled with Matthias is back. P.J. Thompson's back. Yep. I mean, they They're gotta, loaded. They are. How high, though, is going to be the perception of Purdue? Because Purdue, at least in my lifetime, okay. solid program. You know, Gene Cady yes. had a couple of great teams. Not just... No, great they, teams. They had some surprising Big Ten title teams, but also some great teams, you know, with, with Glenn Robinson. Right. And they've been number one seeds. But they never were able to break through. Never made a Final Four. The last time they made a Final Four... It was the last time Iowa was there, 1980. Mm-hmm. And think of that program throughout the last 37 years, how good it's been to never make a Final Four. Because of that, are the expectations nationally 
ratcheted down a little bit. If everybody comes back, they're still preseason top 10 probably. Absolutely. But not top five, where Michigan State will be in that top five. Michigan, and maybe even number one. They, they could be number one. Right. Uh, I think that locally probably in beautiful Lafayette, you ever been there? West Lafayette, yes. I've, <laughs> West I've been there. I, I spent a couple of drunken nights there. <laughs> well, how did I know that? Yes, beautiful. For, for a football game. Beautiful. A lot West of dudes. Lafayette. A lot of dudes on that campus. It's an engineering school. Yes, it is. An egg school. Not a lot of pretty ladies walking there, there, around. There you go. So, with that in mind, I would say that nationally that they would still be top ten. And they would also be a team that will be, I think, on the uh, on the cusp of breaking into the top four mm-hmm. nationally, locally around West Lafayette, and probably in the state of Indiana. People will look at them and say, "God, this team's got to be number one." Mm-hmm. You know how fans the overreaction right, right. with that. Now that's in your scenario. If indeed Edwards and Swanigan both return, right, right. So I think. Locally, the pressure will be amped to the hilt. Mm -hmm. Nationally, I don't think it'll be that bad, at least out of the gate, until they really start playing some pretty good teams, and if they blow some of those teams out. Then I think that will change the national perception dramatically if that takes place. Here's another thing. Matt Painter. Yeah. Yeah. Remember, before he got Swanigan, and Swanigan was a Michigan State commit. He was. And flipped very late in the process. It was a spring flip, and uh, a lot of people kind of wondered about that one. Regardless of it, though, right? he ended up there. He was in some thin ice, at the very least, at Purdue. Yeah. After a great start to his career, uh, maybe after missing the first year, they made the tournament six consecutive years. After that, they went to the CBI, then didn't go to a tournament at all the following year. At that point, it was... All right, they made the tournament finally, but getting Swan again over the last two years has elevated them. They finally get back to the Sweet 16, right. a place that they hadn't been in seven years. Still, you don't look at Matt Painter in the same scope as a lot of the coaches that you look at towards the top, the Calipari's, the Krzyzewski's, the Izzo's, guys like that. And I'm sure that's a part of it, too. I mean, breaking through and getting to that next level, people look at Painter and he hasn't done it. Mm-hmm. He's got to a Sweet 16, a couple of Sweet 16s, but that's it. And I think that's another way where nationally I think there'd be some tepidation to put them up that high because they haven't done it before. Because they don't, have, they don't have that high-profile name coach. Yes. Now, we know him because well, every, we, cover, we cover him. the Big Ten. Yes, everyone but, knows but he doesn't Matt have the high profile. Yes. And he's not in that elite mix of, say, top ten coaches. By the way, the male-to-female ratio at Purdue? Yes. 58% male. A lot of dudes. A lot of dudes. So the Big Ten as a whole. Okay. So you got those two teams. Again, we're still waiting, kind of trying to see what's going to break out there. Correct. After that, Michigan has a couple of big decisions that are still they're waiting on with Wagner and with DJ Wilson. Yes. DJ Wilson, a kid that really didn't play a whole lot his first couple of years. And what he turned into last year, he was incredibly he good. Was really good. Now, Walton, we know, turned it on at the end of the year, and that helped him and got him free, but he can shoot it. He's incredibly athletic. He wears the stupid short shorts. No, he's a crap hey, out of me. Hey, don't be knocking the oh, short shorts. I, I don't need to see any dude's upper thigh. 
regardless of that, though, I mean, he improved so much, and it was such a surprise. He was, eh, maybe with some more minutes he'll be decent. He was really good, and mm-hmm. well, he's going through the process, and some people say maybe he could even sneak into the first round. But he's got a decision to make. Wagner has a decision to make. Right. So Michigan's kind of hard to talk about right now. We just don't know. Those guys both come back. Oh, yeah, they're certainly top five in the Big Ten. Oh, yeah. A, a solid tournament. And, and the Big Ten as a whole, it's going to be good this year, Jimmy. Oh, they, it will be. They have, there'll, there'll be some quality, quality teams this time around. Uh, remember yesterday we talked a little bit about the Big 12 mm-hmm. and where Iowa State might fall in the mix of everything? And we were thinking about Texas a little bit. Yeah. Did you see who they just signed? Mohamed Bamba, the 7-1 center who was listed to go to either Kentucky or Duke. So they get Bamba. And I thought I saw where King, who uh, was a wing player who uh, uh, went to the draft camps and everything. Mm -hmm. I think I also saw now where he's decided he's going to come back and they already got their point guard. So this team, although very young, Looks like the Shaka Smart is going to be loaded. That's what it looks like right now. Yeah, I mean, the, you would expect the roster to be much improved. We've talked a little bit about you know some of the guys that they have coming in, and and you mentioned Mohamed Bamba there, uh, a very, very good prospect. Impressive, seven footer, skinny as hell. Yeah, I mean, he's, he is. Yeah, he's a twig, real thin. Yeah, but uh, Matt Coleman's a kid, the point guard from Oak Hill that played yep. with Lindell Wigington. If he could cure those ills, Shaka's going to get enough dudes. Yeah, uh, He's going to get enough around him, and he can play the style and play the havoc that he wants to there. Uh, they're intriguing. I thought Texas was going to be good this year, too. I thought the, the combo guards that they brought in were going to be good enough, and they weren't. No, they were not. And it, and it really fell off. But uh, I believe in Shaka still. I'm mm-hmm. not willing to jump to the level that some people are. Oh, he's in over his head at Texas. No, no, no he's not. No, absolutely no, not. No. Uh, Kansas State is... Eh. You know, kind of ho-hum. Texas Tech, same kind of thing. Right. Yeah, maybe they'll be a tough out, but probably not an NCAA tournament team. You're going through here, Oklahoma State. They lose they lose Juwan their, Evans. And they lose their coach. Yeah, and Underwood's gone to Illinois. Yeah. So, yeah, just kind of going across and looking next season. That's the weird thing with Iowa State. It's a very unknown team. Correct. But the Big 12 after the top few teams is pretty unknown as well. Can those young guys for Shaka take a step forward? And, mm-hmm. and you know, can the young guys, the freshmen, come in and play right away? We saw some of them could last year, some of them couldn't. Oklahoma, same thing. Now, do those young guys that showed a lot of promise last year, do they take that next step? On and on and on throughout the roster. There's an opportunity for Iowa State, certainly, I think, to be 10-8, and 8, you know, have that kind of year and get into the NCAA tournament. But there's the other side, if all those teams do make those improvements, and we see Oklahoma and Texas are a lot better. And we talked about the top with West Virginia, Kansas, TCU. If all those teams are really good, uh, it could be a case where all of a sudden, instead of that, you're looking at more of a 6-12, and 7-11 and 11 kind mm-hmm. of season, and then you're just hoping to get to the NIT. It is a very difficult team to project right now. It is. It really is. And we know who the top three are. And there's really no question. We know Kansas is going to be there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know that West Virginia is going to be there. And the most improved team, and maybe now turning into the most dangerous team, is going to be TCU. Right. They really are. And I think people in the Big 12 are just so used to, oh, TCU, okay, that's a win. Right. Uh, no, 
No, no, no, no, no, no. That is gone by the wayside. Uh, now that they've got Jamie Dixon there as the coach and with the talent that he has brought in, Trent. Yeah, well, and I mean, they, they showed it in that NIT tournament. Well, they showed it before that in the Big 12 well, when yeah, they went they to did. Kansas City and yeah. they beat Kansas. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that, that shows more than anything, more than anything we saw in the NIT. Yeah. More than the five victories they got there. Beating Kansas and Kansas City showed you everything you know about what Jamie Dixon Yeah, is. that team's coming. Yes, absolutely. It's going to be an interesting year. Still a lot of speculation out there. You know, what's next for Michael Jacobson? Does he get that call from Iowa State? Right. He's still looking around. We mentioned Davidson, Wichita State, Clemson, some of the teams that he's looking at. So you go through, and, and they have two scholarships. Matt Nelson told us yesterday he expects them to maybe look at Jacobson and then still searching for a fifth-year grad tra- transfer that could help him out right away next mm-hmm. year in the guard court. Somebody else to help. We know Donovan Jackson, Lindell Wigginton are going to see a lot of minutes, but right. we don't know. Jacoby Young played or Long played incredibly limited minutes for him last year. Plus, he's hurt. He's going through surgery. We, Darius McNeil was a very lightly regarded recruit. Now, Cyclone fans will tell you, oh, this guy's unbelievable. Still, yeah. didn't have a whole lot of big scholarship offers, wasn't on any top 150 lists. Yeah, certainly some of those guys hit. A lot of them flame out, too. That is correct. When you're making the jump up to the Big 12. So the backcourt, probably thin. It would be a good one to see if they can find a a guy that would fit in there. And it's crazy, after all the depth we've seen in the guard court throughout the years, now flips the other way. The front court looks to be pretty stacked up. It's the backcourt that has the question marks, at least in terms of depth. Isn't that weird? Yeah. The way that that has all of a sudden changed, where the backcourt was always the strong suit? That that is that is pretty strange the way that that has happened now at at Iowa State. Look, they're out on their barnstorming tour right now, and Matt Campbell has pretty much said uh, this isn't your grandpa's Iowa State football team anymore. So he is selling. And well, wait, selling what, what did big you time. expect him to say? Well, we're I, not going to be very good. We're going to stink. <laughs> yeah, no, he's not going to say that. Come on, Chip. But when we had the conversation yesterday, where you came up and was it? Is it? CG technology is mm-hmm. that came out and indicated five and a half. Five and a half. So number, in other yeah. words, you play the over. You're taking six wins this year for Iowa State football. And if I put money down right now, yeah, I'd probably be leaning to the over. Really? Yeah. I, I said it before the number came out. I thought this was going to be a bowl team this year, and uh, maybe that even solidified my thoughts. Seeing that number be that high, okay, that they're going to get to six this year. We know you can't afford a loss to you and I to kick off the year. Just can't. Can't do it. They can beat Iowa, certainly. They, they can beat Iowa. They can win at Akron. Mm-hmm. And then they're just at three. Yeah. Three wins in the conference. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that could de- definitely yeah. take place. Yeah. Really could. Uh, before we get out of here, uh, what's on your uh, remote tonight? Well, uh, let's see. Got game two of the Twins, so I'll be watching that one after right. uh, they wrap up with the Rockies in game one here this afternoon. That'll be a part of it, baseball-wise. Uh, Milwaukee-San Diego, that's an afternoon game. Will you watch Yankees-KC at all? Yeah, maybe a little bit. Okay. Might check in, but no NBA tonight, Jimmy. No, there's not. So what are you doing? Well, I'll sample the hockey. You know me, Anaheim yeah. and Nashville. I mean, if it's a, a finals, I'm going to take a peek at it. And that series has been pretty entertaining. It has been. And you even mentioned uh, the other day about when Nashville won 
And the place was so loud was. you couldn't even hear the broadcasters. It was. It was nuts in that building. Uh, so I will sample that. Um, I don't know. I just feel I, I feel empty because there's not. I don't. I mean, I know I'm going to be able to watch Cavs Boston, and I expect a better effort out of Boston tomorrow mm. night. Mm. But when when we sat here yesterday, and I said, "What are we going to get out of the Cleveland Cavaliers? Rest or rust?" Man, it was definitely rest. Mm-hmm. And then LeBron afterwards says, "Ah, we didn't play our best game." <laughs> I I love LeBron throwing shade at Boston. Isn't that great I, though? I, I get a kick out of it when he was talking to their bench in the middle of the game. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I mean this is shades of Larry Bird because Bird was a tremendous trash talker. Absolutely. I mean he threw it at everybody. LeBron really doesn't have that rep, but I think it'd be pretty cool if he started to get that a little bit. My favorite moment of last night, yeah, was on a switch. In the first half, <laughs> Kelly Olynyk yeah. gets switched. So what does LeBron do? Now, he doesn't go right after him. Uh-uh. Basically turns his back to him, does a little tricky dribble between the leg, turns his back to him, like, looking at the crowd like, you got to be blank joking me here. You're putting Kelly Olynyk on me. Turns around, little hesitation move, gets to the rim, lays it in. I mean, only LeBron. Folks, I know a lot of people, especially here in this market, people that grew up Bulls fans sure. and grew up with Jordan. Yeah. And there's still plenty of those people out there. You can still love Michael Jordan and appreciate what you're seeing with LeBron James. If you're talking about LeBron in these great senses, and we both do, we both love LeBron. Yes, yeah, we do. But if you're doing that, that's not a knock on Michael Jordan. No. Don't, don't get so defensive about it. And, and here's the thing. You can have the argument. It's a great bar argument. It, it is. is. Sit down with a drink with a buddy. One takes one side. The other takes the other. It is a fun argument, but the part about it is neither side wrong. No. no. They're, they're both great players. Yeah. The physicality that LeBron has. He is a different kind of player. They are different ways. Jordan, well, he went away for two years, or a year and a half, yeah. came back and did get beat in the playoffs, remember, during that run. Some yes. people forget yes, that. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. So it's not six consecutive for Jordan, six consecutive where he played full seasons, yes, but not six consecutive. LeBron's on his way to his seventh straight finals. That's incredible. You know who did that? Only one guy in NBA history. Uh, Bill Russell? Bill Russell. That's it. Seven was uh, his longest streak of his career. Yes. LeBron does that this year. Next year, he could break Bill Russell's record. Talk about great winners. That's what you think about when you Bill think of Russell Bill Russell. Bill Russell was the ultimate winner. 11 championships in 13 seasons. Yes. As a player. As a player. He did that. LeBron could break that record of getting to the finals. That's incredible. He, he is on the precipice of tying him, and uh, one more would break it in a row. And then I don't see anybody in the East that's going to be slowing him down. No. Put on Markel Volts, put on Lonzo Ball, yeah. put on Joshua Jackson on that Celtics team. Even let him make a move. They're not beaten. They're not beating Cleveland as they're currently constructed. I agree. Here's a thing to ponder, Jimmy B. As you're enjoying LeBron, mm-hmm. you'll be watching him tomorrow night. I'll be watching him tomorrow night. But as you're watching, when is the breakdown going to start for him? You think of the mileage that is on that body. Yes. The amount of games that he's played. The amount of playoff games. I right. mean, that's the other part of this. And why it's so difficult to get back to the he finals. He played Olympics, too. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about 
not 82 games. You're talking about 100 games that you're playing, 100-plus games that you're playing yeah. over the course of the season. How short your off-season is then. The NBA now starts in, what, seems like it starts in August anymore <laughs> is what it gets going after it finishes in June. What I'm saying is we haven't seen a guy that has played this many minutes yeah. for this long in this NBA. Yes, is technology better? Absolutely. Yes. Are the sneakers better? Are the floors better? Is what you get health-wise better from trainers and everybody else? Absolutely no doubt about it. But in the current environment, to do what he is doing, it's unheard of. And it, he doesn't show any signs of slowing down. Can he, can he play at this level for another three years? Go back. When, when Magic Johnson was at his best, mm-hmm. it was his late, late 20s, 28, 29, till he was about 32-ish. Mm-hmm. And that's where LeBron has made that jump. To me... Aren't you at your physical peak as a man between about 28 and 34? Nah, 34 is a stretch. Okay, 33? Nah, LeBron, I, LeBron, I, I would say 30. LeBron's at his physical peak. Late 20s is what I would say. Okay. And well, he's past that and he And he has passed that he's with 32. all the miles that you talked about. Yeah. I mean, the rubber's thin on those tires. Mm-hmm. But for most people, yeah, except him, he's, he's, he's a, a cyborg. He's a freak. <laughs> that's what he is. And, that, and that's why I asked the question: Can he play at this level until he's thirty-five? Three more years. Yeah, if he'll he, turn thirty-three in December of next year. Late next, December. Okay. Uh, at, at thirty-three, I don't see him slowing down. Yeah. At thirty-four. I don't know if you'll really notice it. He might notice it. He might be right. a little more sore it, after it, a number it, of games. It could be where he does start to take a little bit more More rest. time off, yes. That very well could happen. Yeah. But, man, we've never seen this before. No. You mentioned Larry Bird. Yeah. Larry Bird broke down. Oh, he did? Yeah, his back was awful. Ma- magic. Well we, well, we know what happened. Right, right. Michael Jordan. His game had to change and evolved as... He lost athleticism. Mm-hmm. LeBron does go back to the black block last year in the finals. Yeah, there's no lost athleticism with LeBron. Oh, no, that that's the difference. Jordan evolved as his athleticism started to go away. He developed back to the basket, a lot of post up stuff. Yep, and then the fadeaway jumper that went with it. We saw the same thing with Kobe, and that also was he wanted to be Jordan and he wanted to play the same sure. kind of way. But it was also the Achilles injury was a part of yes, it. Yes, it was. He had to adapt. LeBron, he doesn't. No. <laughs> I mean, he got he's tweaked. the same bull in the china shop. He is. As he's always been. He got tweaked last night. He took a shot. Mm-hmm. Remember, he was rubbing the calf a little bit, yep. and it looked like he was cramping up on it is what happened. But he was able then to rub it out. And then when they do the post-game interview, I'm not really happy here. I mean, we had that 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 third quarter where we really let our guard down, and they came back at us, and he says, We'll go back. We'll look at things, and he says we'll be better on Friday. What? You're gonna, <laughs> you're gonna, you just pounded this team. Yep. You hadn't played in ten days, and you just pounded this team on their home court, and they're the number one seed in the East. You know, I, I, oh, I, I love the guy. I, I absolutely do. He's terrific. And in this day and age, with social media, the difference in media in general, just how different things are today. Not a hint of controversy. You know, the only controversy is when he left Cleveland. The decision, yes. But 
that was still making a decision of where to play basketball. Yeah. He's never been in trouble. No. No. You never hear things about no. him out, you know, screwing around in clubs, things no. like that. He's, he's, he has been in the media spotlight since he was 15 years old. That's correct. At 16, he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Yeah. We're talking about half of his life. He has been a nationally known basketball player. Nothing. Just goes out there. Does he give you cliched answers? Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Does he rile up his teammates and he uses social media in that light? He does. He does. But he's been incredibly successful at he it. He has. It just frustrates me that maybe he doesn't get the due that he deserves. Because when LeBron goes away, we're probably not going to see a guy like that in a long time. Long time. Long he time. He is such a special player. He is a. He Instead is, of fighting about, yeah. you like to go bring up Wilt. I laugh at you. Uh, people bring up Jordan. Shouldn't do, shouldn't just do that. accept what you have that with LeBron correct. and enjoy it. He is more like Wilt than Jordan because Wilt was the Goliath of the NBA at, in his time. LeBron is the Goliath of the NBA in his time right now. If there was more John Conkax out there, maybe. John Conkak. <laughs> With that, we are done. We're done. I've got John Conkak reference from my boy, Trent. <laughs> oh, they're in the show. Good stuff. We will do it tomorrow one more time for this week at noon. Jimmy B and TC on the Big Talkers 1700 from the Wolf Construction Roofing Studios. Have a good day, everybody.